the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The earth turns, but we don't feel it move. And one night you look up, one spark, and the sky is on fire. The past is the torch that lights our way, where our fathers have shown us the path we shall follow. Our faith is the weapon most feared by our enemies. For thereby shall we lift our people up against those who would destroy us. For with great numbers must come great strength and the salvation of our people. Hi everybody. This is Ed Hoffman and welcome to the main event. We opened up with that uh, a clip from uh, the movie The Gangs of New York because uh, it seems like, uh, you know, the earth turns, we don't feel it move, and then one night, one spark, and the sky's on fire. And I think we are experiencing that right now with what we saw this week, uh, specifically what we saw Friday as they released the uh, FISA memo. And uh, we're going to talk about that as well as the State of the Union speech and everything else that was going on this week and all the stupidity, all the stupidity and uh, of the Democrats that have uh, erupted around all that stuff. And uh, but we're, we're going to talk about it in detail. But first, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. Located here in Southern California, offices all over the place. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and <clears throat> and you could tell week five, I'm still got a scratchy voice. Um, and you're if if you're in, interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and you need financing, call me toll free at eight five five six four zero twenty twenty. That's eight five five six four zero twenty twenty. One last time, day or night, toll free area code eight five five. Six four zero twenty twenty. Let me just say, if you're looking for financing on real estate, rates are going up. If you've been thinking about it, sitting on your hands like the Democrats were on Tuesday night, wait no longer. Wait no longer. The rates are going up. I will say no more. Okay, if you want to get in touch with me, but you don't want to talk with me on the phone, you can get me at WCCLoans.com. We can find all kinds of uh, mortgage information there. Click on the Loan Center, then click on uh, Apply Now. Put in as much information as you want me to have. Let me know how much information you want back. You'll hear back from me or one of my talented teammates. And uh, if you hear anything on the radio, that if you hear anything on this show you want repeated, you can go to edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N. Uh, click on the podcast page, and you can hear this show as well as several back, uh, past shows and uh, download them, and uh, you can uh, listen at your leisure. You can also get the podcast on uh, SoundCloud and iTunes where you can subscribe for free, have it automatically download to uh, whatever your device, your iPhone, your iPad, your mini pad, your maxi pad, your uh, iWatch, any of those things, your computer that you listen to podcasts on and uh, you can uh, uh, hear it anytime you want. So if you, if you're, uh, if, if the times that I'm on your 
particular radio station don't match your convenience. Listen anytime you want. So, uh, you know, I, I, uh, we went, went to dinner with one of my kids uh, on uh, Wednesday night for my wife's birthday. And he goes, and we're starting to talk a little bit of politics. He goes, man, I'm behind. I'm behind. I better start reading some stuff on the Internet. I go, why don't you just listen to my show? I give you a recap every week. Uh, oh, okay. You're right. I should. I haven't listened in a, in a little while. So anyway, um, do that. Um, follow the follow the show on on uh, social media. Follow me on Twitter at Ed Hoffman, where I tweet about current events all week long. Sometimes, sometimes all night long when they're doing the uh, State of the Union, and sometimes I might go a few days without tweeting. So, uh, like the show on Facebook at Facebook.com/slash the main event Ed Hoffman. And if you want to leave me comments on the show, call me on the listener hotline eight five five six four zero twenty ninety two. That's uh. Not where you call for mortgage information. That's where you call to say, what the heck are you thinking? I listen to your show and you're on drugs or uh, whatever you want to say, or tell me that you like it. Okay. Either way. Hey, so uh, let's go into what's going on. And uh, before we do in the studio with me, once again, uh, aiding me with my struggling voice, Mr. Scott McAfee, owner of Don's Bikes in Rialto and Redlands, one of the top 100 bike shops in the country, and uh, number two political commentator in the country behind myself. Scott, welcome back. More fun than Disneyland, Ed. At all times. You yes. Know, you know, that's because, why is that? Because why is it more fun than Disneyland? Yeah. Well, it's the happiest place on earth. I just really enjoy the hell out of this. That's, that's, I guess that's it. I know. I guess that is too. Yeah. My wife had said, "Hey, we should go to. We should just take off one day after work and just go to Disneyland at night without any kids. Let's just go down there at five and stay till like ten o'clock or something, and just stroll around and do whatever we want. Oh, that sounds like fun. Okay, all right, I'm do down. It. Okay, I'm just stroll around the the wonderful world of <laughs> Disney and uh, go on rides if you want to, or just uh, find the bar at uh, California Adventures if you want to. I don't know. Either way, it's all good." Hey, so uh, we've got a script of things we were planning, but we're recording Friday morning, and they just released the FISA memo. Uh, pretty amazing. Um, just reading the, the cover sheet from the Honorable Devin Nunes. January 29th, House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence here and after the committee voted to disclose pub- publicly the memorandum containing classified information provided the, con- the committee in connection with its oversight activities. Um, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Constitution vests the president with authority to protect national secrets from disclosure. Um, Friday morning, he declassified this memo so it could be released. The committee has now determined the release of the memorandum will be appropriate. Uh, Yada, yada, yada. And four pages of cool stuff uh, outlining basically how a small group of people in this country decided that they didn't want Trump to be president and have colluded to um, basically break the law, invade the privacy of private citizens, um, and try to derail the the choice of the American people um, and try to derail things with, with untruths um, backed up by more untruths, backed up by itself, and uh, half the information, and... This is going to be bigger than Watergate. Well, what we realize is what the Democrats have been saying all along, Ed, and that's this election was rigged. 
but it was rigged against Donald Trump, not against Hillary Clinton. Um, this obviously, it's confirmation of, of things we'd already heard, which was that Christopher Steele and Fusion GPS made up this do- this dossier, that this pile of garbage. And this was, of course, the primary reason for the search for this FISA warrant, the secret court that can issue warrants that allows people to be surveilled. Uh, he leaked this information out to the media and the FBI, you know, used this, this dossier and media reports to justify the, the warrant spying on Trump's campaign. Um, you know, and, and of course, it was all paid for by Hillary Clinton and the, and the DNC. Correct. Um, not only that, but this guy is discredited by the FBI as a source, but they run with it anyways. The FBI goes to the goes to some judge and with this information, even after the primary source of the information was discredited and, and got got the warrant. And the uh, and the court is the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act that allows them to say, hey, there's something going on colluding with foreign with foreign countries and the court is going to authorize that they can bug somebody that they can they can do things that they're not allowed to do you know like open your mail bug your bug your telephones do all this stuff and they can they can they can uh use the power of the federal government to see things that they that they normally wouldn't see which when this all comes out i wonder if they're going to overturn michael flynn's uh uh deal that he made and um uh paul is it um banyan yep uh, that the, that they, Paul Manafort. Oh, Manafort. Yep. It's not not Steve Bannon. No. Paul, Paul Manafort. Paul Manafort and uh, uh, Snuffleupagus, and uh, <laughs> so a bunch of people got got uh, made deals or had indictments over uh, stuff that they heard, but they shouldn't have had the right right to hear. And it's and it's basically basically when it comes down to it, you know, Michael Flynn ended up uh, being disgraced because he lied to the FBI about something something he basically didn't commit any significant crimes but he lied to the fbi saying that he hadn't talked to anybody in russia and apparently he had and uh and that was enough and they took it to the letter it's kind of like what they did to dinesh d'souza you know they put him in jail because he he gave an extra an extra ten thousand dollars to a friend who was running a uh, political political campaign and he just hey since i donated more than i'm supposed to i just gave the money to a friend and had him him donate it to i'm just trying to help her out she didn't win anyway and well, you know, the interesting thing, too, is I talked to a friend of mine who's in law enforcement about this. And, you know, his point is this. It is a felony to get a search warrant issued. And this is on any level, uh, let alone something like that. It's a felony to get a search warrant from a judge based on made up evidence. The whole thing was garbage. And I guess the funny thing that and this is a question I have not heard asked yet. What's up with this judge? Wouldn't he do a little bit more probing into where does this information coming from? You're asking me to give you a search warrant to spy on people on a political campaign that's going on right now. I want to know what judge issues this kind of warrant without being a little bit more thorough about where that information is coming from. Exactly. And uh, but, you know, all this stuff is being is being presented by the Department of Justice and the FBI. So you'd think that they were straight up in this Ties in uh, the Department of Justice. It will tie in uh, James Comey of the FBI and his uh, his uh, deputy deputy or the his assistant who was um, Andrew McCabe, right? And uh, and then it goes goes to the it'll go to Loretta Lynch. Go to all these people that all knew what was going on. 
Well, yeah, and, and of course the question is how high is it going to go? The other issue, the other question is, I know Trump's own pick to run the FBI, this Christopher Ray, was against having this memo released. My my question would be why? And I think the answer it's almost self-explanatory because this guy, even though he was he was a Trump appointee, is a bureaucratic hack who's more interested in covering high-level agents' butts than than exposing people who broke the law. And it's uh, and it's and it's so so clear, so clear when. Trump say, "Hey, we need to drain the swamp." It's not near drained yet. I mean, and we and we all know that. We all know that. But uh, you know, I, I say, "Hey, when you come in, when you merge," I was reading an article. When you merge a when you merge two companies together, you take over the other company. You leave you leave the the leadership in place to where you get so they can help steer all the employees from that company, so you can keep everything keep everything uh, running and smooth and organized. And then once you once you get into it, you you start replacing them one at a time till you have everything merged together. But you need to keep everything together to where the one company can see how the other company was running and you know the the the, the pros and the cons. So when Trump comes in, I would have said, "Hey, fire everybody in the White House that was from Obama administration. Let's start over." But if you don't know who you're hiring and what they do, you you just can't. So you have to go in there and say, "Let's see how this whole organization runs, and let's start." Planking out the people that should be that shouldn't be here, and maybe we'll find some people that that can still be here. And uh, so one year in one year into this, it's becoming obvious he hasn't yet begun to scratch the surface of draining the swamp. No, and I would hope also that one of the things that comes out is there's a lot of heads that should roll. There's a lot of people that need to be fired. There's a lot of people that have no business being there. And you know what? This, I think, is a great illustration of why Republicans in general want smaller government, because we don't want a government that's so big and so powerful that you can weaponize parts of it like the FBI, the CIA, the Department of Justice, the IRS, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. And um, I think I think it's it's going to be it's going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting because, you know, the Democrats are so against this. Don't release it. This isn't fair. They they modified some of the some of the words in this. They changed some ands to wit to to some ands to uh, to uh, also or they or they did or they made a few little uh, grammatical corrections in the in the original thing before they released it. And you would think if the Democrats are honest, they want complete transparency. I mean, that's kind of why. One of the things that uh, Barack Hussein Obama got elected on is, hey, we're going to make everything transparent. The only thing was transparent was that he didn't care, care about the United States and he was just there to have fun and uh, and give and give money away. And uh, now we've got Donald Trump who's going in there and saying, hey, the country is a business. We need to start running it like a business. It needs to be it needs to be this it needs to be that. And the and the Democrats and the whole political establishment are so upset because their money tree is not getting fertilized anymore. They don't have open they don't have open uh open, you know, they don't have an open open check to just do anything they want. And uh and the whole the whole uh, establishment's going crazy on this. Um I'll read a little bit of this. Neither the initial application in October 2016 nor any of the renewals disclose reference to the role of the DNC a Clinton campaign or any party campaign in funding Steele's efforts. So, so Steele did this being paid by the Democrat National Committee and Hillary Clinton campaign. Um, they, uh, uh, it was put together by Christopher Steele, was a longtime FBI source who was paid 160000 by the DNC and Clinton campaign via law firm Perkins Cole um, and research firm Fusion GPS to obtain derogatory information on Trump's ties to Russia. 
Neither of those uh, were disclosed when they went to the FISA court that um, these guys were there, even though uh, they knew that that Steele dossier were were that Steele's efforts were known uh, about the Steele dossier was known to the Department of Justice and the FBI officials. The initial FISA application notes Steele was working for a U.S. unnamed person. Uh, doesn't name Diffusion GPS or uh, Glenn Simpson, who owns it, uh, who was paid by U.S. law firm uh, Perkins Cole, representing DNC. Application does not mention Steele was ultimately working on behalf of and paid for, paid by the DNC and Clinton campaign, or that the FBI had separately authorized payment to Steele for the same information. Uh, Carter Page, they were going after Carter Page, who was one of uh, an unpaid political or a... a uh, foreign foreign uh, consultant, foreign. Uh, he was a consultant for the Trump campaign during for, the election. for on foreign issues. Right. Um, cited uh, the for the Carter Page FISA application also cited extensively September twenty third Yahoo News article by Michael Ishkov Isakov, which focuses on Page's July two thousand sixteen trip to Moscow. The thing that the thing that they don't mention is that they went they went to the FISA court with this dossier. And they used to back up to back up the dossier that it was that it was legit was the Yahoo the Yahoo News article, which they wrote up based on Michael Steele meeting with them. Right. It's like making up your own your own evidence. Uh, and of course, once again, you, you mentioned the fact they knew the FBI, the DOJ knew who put up the money for this evidence to begin with. When they went for those warrants, when they went to the FISA court, they they knew who put up the money for this whole thing. So that didn't that didn't signal any red flags. I think the one question that I have too is where's this whole Trump Russian thing going to go because the whole Mueller Mueller investigation was based on on this. It was based on this garbage. So you have an ongoing investigation based on crap. I mean, it's almost like the whole investigation should probably dissolve at this point. Exactly, cuz they had they had no evidence of anything to go on. They're just they're just surfing around and it, you know what? I'd be interested to see how much this uh, investigation has cost so much uh, uh so far. Millions. And uh, let's see here. Um, okay, before before and after Steele was terminated, ter- he was terminated from the FBI. Uh, uh, before and after Steele was terminated as a source, he maintained contact with the Department of Justice via then Associate Deputy uh, Attorney General Bruce Orr, a senior, which we heard about a couple weeks ago. Um, he worked closely with Deputy Attorney Deputy Attorney General Yates. And later, uh, Rob Rosenstein, shortly after the election, FBI began interviewing or documenting his communications with Steele. For example, in September 2016, Steele admitted to or his feelings again against then-candidate Trump when Steele said he was, quote, was desperate that Donald Trump not get elected and was passionate about him uh, not being president. This clear evidence of Steele's bias was recorded by Orr at the time and subsequently in FBI official FBI files, but not reflected on any page of the FISA applications. During this same time period, Orr's wife was employed by Fusion GPS to assist in the cultivation of opposition research on Trump. Orr later provided the FBI with all of his wife's opposition research paid for by the DNC and Clinton campaign via Fusion GPS. Um, the, uh, the collusion is... is it's so obvious. It's so it's so blatant, and the fact that everybody closed their eyes to it because the establishment didn't want this non-establishment 
non-establishment businessman to come in and upset their world. Well, I guess they all believe the polls, which are saying that Hillary Clinton was going to win. So obviously none of this stuff would have come out had that happened. So they all figured, oh, well, we can do whatever we want because um, none of this is ever going to come to light. Yeah. Um, obviously, we learned about this about an hour before we uh, came right. in to record. So I'm sure there will be uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about this for the next couple of weeks, um, maybe in the next couple of years. Because this is uh, this is big stuff. Yep. Um, so anyway, we'll we'll continue with that later. But let's talk about let's talk about what we planned on talking about. Yep. Uh, the State of the Union was on uh, Wednesday night, Tuesday night, Tuesday night, the thirtieth. President Trump's first State of the Union was Tuesday night. Despite the the, the Democrats in the room staging silent protest, the president hit a home run with uplifting patriotic overture. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, it was amazing. I think what we saw was an incredible display of some America's of some of America's finest people. Uh, obviously, there were some tragic stories in there as well, some uplifting stories. It was well delivered. Uh, I don't think. I mean, obviously, I'm biased, but I, I don't think I've ever seen a State of the Union address that was any better than that. It was. Uh, it was. It was filled with. Um, it was like I, I said on. There's a parade of heroes. He brought up. He had people in the audience to represent. All the big events of the of 2017, he uh, um, he made it very positive, very pro America, very. Uh, he talked about the the tragedies of the hurricanes and the fires and uh, everything that went on and the heroes that and and he and he brought up some of the heroes of people that save lives and and even with uh, with Joe Kennedy who delivered the rebuttal that we'll play a little clip from in a little bit talking about he used he used some of the some of some of the things that Trump used to show how how America's great and how we as a people as Americans that we all pull together in times of crisis and he used it as a positive look at what look at all the great things that are doing look at all the great people let's let's give ourselves uh you know applaud and and let's and you know let's keep it moving pro America Joe Kennedy used those things to can you believe the president and we'll talk about that after we talk about the goods, uh, the, uh, the the first speech. We'll uh, play a little piece of Joe Kennedy, who uh, I think the Kennedys just need to crawl in a hole. Maybe they could join the Clintons that they could do that. But uh, here's what here's what here's what we saw from the Democrats during the State of the Union. Nancy Pelosi refused to stand for any part of the speech. And. It was disgusting. Did you see? I, I don't know if it's her face. Maybe it's like a lot of that plastic is kind of melting when she really gets angry. But her face almost got very contorted. I don't know if you noticed. Yeah, that. she looked like she was. Looked uh, like her jaw was going to fall off a couple like, times. I, and and aren't they conscious that hey, the cameras are in there? Hmm. Every, I mean, it's like hey, if you got to pick your nose, do it before <laughs> do it before you walk in there because the camera's going to be on you the whole time. Right. So she's making this goofy face the whole time. The Congressional Black Caucus stared angrily at the president. While wearing African kente cloth, which is some African tribal garb, and most of them didn't even clap when he cited the lowest black unemployment rate ever recorded. Large groups of Democrats didn't uh, stand or clap when Trump praised the members of our military, the national anthem, and even the American flag. Several of them didn't even applaud Congressman Steve Scalise, which I probably wouldn't have expected him to, but their own colleague who was critically injured in a shooting at the Republican baseball practice last summer. Um, I don't know that I would have expected him to do that, but... But, uh, you know, I was happy that I saw like Joe Manchin and a, and a couple of Democrats when there was undeniable, clear, good news that that uh, of things that have been accomplished in last in the last year that the a couple of them 
didn't stand with the Democrats. They actually stood in and applauded. Well, they, yeah, they stood for a couple of seconds till they noticed Chuck Schumer looking at them, and then they sat back down. Um, you know, it, when you look at all the things they sat for, and it's funny, too, because there's some things you would think they would stand and applaud for, like paid family leave. They sat for that. Amnesty for 1.8 million illegal aliens. They sat for that. Uh, Infrastructure spending. They like to spend money, don't they? They sat for that. And as you just mentioned, they sat through the mention of the American flag, the national anthem. They didn't even stand up for God, for God's sakes, Ed. I know, exactly. They even sat down for God. They sat down when you you mentioned low black unemployment rate. Uh, As a matter of fact, at one point, Luis Gutierrez storms out of the room when they started chanting USA. So they don't even like hearing the chant of USA. It's clear it's clear that the Democrats hate Trump more than they love the United States. Seems that way. And, you know, I could say, hey, I was not a fan of Barack and St. Obama at all. But you know what? If he would have done something smart, I would have given him credit for it. I think he probably did something smart I liked at one time. And I say, hey, I like this. Uh, even though he doesn't know why he's doing it, he's you know I probably would have given some of that, but I would have I would have given him credit. Hey, this was a smart thing. I don't remember if he ever did. Um, it couldn't have been that significant because he's the worst president in the history of the United States. The only thing I could think of was when he authorized having a bullet put in Bin Laden's head, and that's about the only thing that really comes to my mind. And I don't really think he had a, had much of a choice in that. I don't mm. give him that much credit, but okay. hey, you know what? If, if we got to give him something, I'll uh, I'll give him that. Okay. But the uh, but you know what? Hey, if if you hate the person so bad that even though even though they're doing good things, that you can't you can't even think for yourself, it's just amazing. Anyway, we're all out of time for part one of the main event. Stay tuned for five minutes of uh, traffic, weather, commercials, and that kind of stuff, and uh, we'll be back with part two. Don't go away. Welcome back. Part two of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman, president of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. Don't talk much about mortgages on the radio because you guys probably think it's boring unless you're in the in the market for it. But if you're thinking you're in the market for it, um, you're thinking about thinking about getting ready to get ready to call me, um, you probably shouldn't waste any more time because rates are going up. Rates have come up significantly in the last couple of weeks. And... Uh, and I saw someone on Facebook go, look what's happening. The feds are, are worried about inflation. They're talking about raising the discount rate. Hey, guess what? That is the natural occurrence when the when the economy gets better. The economy gets better, we raise interest rates. Because not only is it raising interest rates on what you're borrowing, we're paying more paying people on their savings accounts. You get to get interest on your on the bank. So when the mortgage rates go up, so do the so do the rates at the banks. So anyway. If you're thinking about that, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020, 855-640-2020, and, uh, or go to WCCLoans.com. If you're just joining us, as I have, have as I often do, I've got my sidekick, Scott McAfee, owner of Don's Bikes, uh, in here uh, helping me recap this, helping me uh, get through this because my voice is just painful and uh as well as uh just we had so much to talk about so many different opinions i thought you'd uh like to enjoy scott's as well as mine so uh democrat we're talking about the uh oh i forgot to tell you let you say hi hey what's up <laughs> and right. it's always a pleasure all right so um let's start with what we we're talking about let's start part two with what we we're talking about we we're talking about the uh, state of the union let's start with the energy and the economy i thought this was one of the high points of the speech and our drive to make washington accountable We have eliminated more regulations in our first year than any 
administration in the history of our country. We have ended the war on American energy, and we have ended the war on beautiful, clean coal. We are now very proudly an exporter of energy to the world. America has also finally turned the page on decades of unfair trade deals that sacrificed our prosperity and shipped away our companies, our jobs, and our wealth. Our nation has lost its wealth, but we're getting it back so fast. The era of economic surrender is totally over. This is, this is huge. Huger than most people realize that we're actually, uh, we're actually drilling for oil. We're, we got the, uh, the Keystone Pipeline being built. Um, people are drilling in North, North Dakota, Texas, um, and now they're opening up Anwar, which is the uh, Alaskan, na- 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 Alaskan National Wildlife, Wildlife Refuge, which is basically the biggest piece of Alaska up there where you got a lot of snow and you got a ton of oil under the ground, and there's a few porcupine caribou up there that um, people were trying to keep us from drilling so that you wouldn't upset the porcupine caribou up there. But, um, you know, they they have they have technology in the way we drill now that um, you could have equipment the size of a football field and drill the whole state of Alaska from there because go, they go down and up and sideways and angle ways. It's kind of like the Wonka Vader in... Uh, in uh, Willy Wonka, the Chocolate Factory. Um, if for those of you that know that, um, but the whole th- whole thing in the clean coal, you know, you don't realize. If you probably you guys don't remember, but Hillary Clinton and uh, Barack Obama saying, "Hey, you know what? You can still dig for coal, but we're just going to tax you so you can't make a profit on it." And all the people of uh, Virginia, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, all the people that were destitute because their industry just went away and how many people he hurt by that to save the, to save the, uh, save the environment. Well, yeah. And, and really, as I look at this, who has a problem with us being energy independent? I mean, who has, and, and the resulting jobs that come along with it from the Keystone pipelines, uh, you know, and he even also mentioned that Reagan from Reagan on up, I guess, uh, president's been trying to get into Anwar and nobody's been successful up until now, Ed. Yep, exactly. And, uh, I like the fact that, um, I even I even uh, sent out I posted on Facebook and Twitter a a uh, a video of of um Bill Clinton talking about immigration and what how we have to why we have to seal the border and Barack Obama saying the same thing and now everybody's mad at Trump because he's actually doing something about it and everybody talks a good game now we have a president that knows how to hit the execute button which is something that I predicted when he was running I say hey you know what you got to give a guy credit cuz he knows how to do that um and I just say I'm I'm so proud that I voted for Trump, that I support him, and I still support him. And I don't care if you guys don't like him because he's he's crude and he doesn't he doesn't seem seem presidential by the by the uh, standards set by uh, Barack Obama, the worst president in history, or uh, or uh, Bill Clinton, uh, you know, even George George W. Bush, who I think was a great president, but he still lacked some of that get it done because he's part of that that uh that political establishment i am 
totally behind this president. You know, it's kind of interesting because you and I both supported different people throughout the primaries. I know at one point you liked Rick Perry, Carla Fiorina. I liked Ted Cruz. But in hindsight, Ed, now that we're a year into this thing, I don't think any of them could have been this effective. Nope, I don't think any of them. I don't think any of them um, were in that position. I don't care what people think. We have to do what's, what's right, regardless of whether it's popular. Yep. I don't think that any of them. Here's some of the president's comments on immigration ending in what many people, including myself, uh, are calling the greatest line of the night. United States is a compassionate nation. We are proud that we do more than any other country anywhere in the world to help the needy, the struggling and the underprivileged. I am extending an open hand to work with members of both parties, Democrats and Republicans, to protect our citizens of every background, color, religion, and creed. My duty and the sacred duty of every elected official in this chamber is to defend Americans, to protect their safety, their families, their communities, and their right to the American dream. Because Americans are dreamers, too. That was like a bang. Um, the interesting thing was no, that it's, the, it's bam. Oh, bam. Okay. It's an Emerald Lagasse thing. Bam. You said it when you put in about 50 cloves of garlic. Bam. Very good. It's interesting because one of the Democrats' big criticism of Trump's speech is that it's not very unifying. He's not reaching across the aisle. That sounded like it. I'd actually even forgotten about that part, but it sounded pretty unifying to me. I thought it was, too. And, uh, and he, you could see him because he's obviously to his right was the Democrat side all sitting down and he would, he would make some comments and he would put his hand out, like say, Hey, like you guys like that. I did it for you, man. I'm going to give, I'm going to give a path to citizenship for 1.8 million, uh, DACA people, which eh, I don't think there was 1.8 million of them, but I think he's just raising it up. Cause I'm sure there's more, more than what we I think. I think there's probably like a hundred million, if you want to be honest about it, or at least there's a hell of a lot more than what we think. Exactly. And I don't, uh, I am pretty much against the path to citizenship, I say, hey, make a path to being here legally, but no votes, and uh, you don't get to vote in the elections. W- meanwhile, while uh, Jerry Brown is trying to say you v- register everybody for voting while you get your driver's license, and we already passed the thing that illegal aliens can get driver's licenses. So um, I guess he's saying that in California, if you're an illegal alien, you can vote. No wonder that Hillary uh, won the popular vote in California. Yeah, no kidding. I know my daughter says, Dad, I want to go get my driver's license. I just walk in and say you're an illegal alien. It's probably go a lot faster. Exactly. They have a special line for you, and there's nobody in. There's nobody. Uh, there's no waiting. Yeah, she's it, half Mexican. She doesn't speak any Spanish, but she could at least try. Well, you know what? Uh, with a with a name like McAfee, uh, <laughs> she's gonna have a she's gonna have a hard time. You're probably right. Um, 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 so, um, as always, as always, there are many, uh, guests in attendance to underscore the president's points, which I said, you know, they had a parade of heroes, um, during the president's remarks on North Korea, the parents of Otto Warmbier were asked to stand and, uh, they could hardly keep it together. They looked like they were just overwhelmed with, I don't know if it was grief, pride. Um, I mean, you, what their, what their son went through what their son went through in North Korea and how they treated him. And then they turned him over right in time for him to die a week later um, with brain damage and all kinds of stuff. I think we should just probably nuke the whole country and just level it now just on general principle. Um, they also had a guy named uh, uh, G G Singh Ho. Uh, that's J-I-S-E-O-N-G Ho. Uh, not emphasis on the Ho. 
Oh, you, man, couldn't, you couldn't resist, could you? I know, I could. I knew God. He, he is a man who defected from North Korea on crutches in 2006 and apparently now lives in Seoul, South Korea, and he, uh, and he, and he, and apparently lost his leg coming over, uh, coming over while his family was trying to escape, got hit by a train, and they amputated his leg. They amputated his leg with basically no, uh, no, um, anesthesia. And his, uh, they killed his dad, and um, he escaped from North Korea on crutches. And he wanted, and I don't know how many hundreds of miles he had to walk like that. And uh, now he's got his own, uh, he's got a new leg, and he's got a magic leg, uh, and uh, doesn't have to use the crutches anymore, but he actually helps people escape from North Korea now. Yeah. There was so many moments in this that I was like brought to tears. And this was one of them. When that guy hoisted the crutches over his head, if that didn't choke you up, you don't have a pulse. I know, but guys don't cry. Uh, you know, it's okay to cry. I'm coming to that realization, Ed. It's All okay right. to cry. I just don't let anybody see it. Right. Uh, here's, here's how the president said he will be handling North Korea in the future. North Korea's reckless pursuit of nuclear missiles could very soon threaten our homeland. Past experience has taught us that complacency and concessions only invite aggression and provocation. I will not repeat the mistakes of past administrations that got us into this very dangerous position. And uh, here, for some reason, Chris Matthews of PMS NBC was triggered by that. And his colleague, uh, Rachel Maddow, um, I won't say anything that I won't call her name this time. Um, they just, they don't get it. Here's, here's their reaction to that comment. Rachel, one thing I wondered about, because Americans don't like North Korea. We are always seeing pictures of those people sort of goose-stepping past their capital with all the artillery. We don't like them. Uh, We've never liked them. Why did he stoke the fires tonight? Why did he bring out the really tough case of the family losing their kid who was hiking through the mountains there? What was the whole point of that? Are we getting ready for a war? What are we getting ready for? It's no departure from how he's been for the last eight months toward North Korea. He's been threatening, all but promising. Why um, heating it up? Because he wants a war with North Korea, if you take him by what he says. Yeah, well, I think uh, I don't think anybody wants a war with North Korea, but I think the president understands he has an obligation to protect us. And if we take them for granted and they send one nuclear missile and it hits California or it hits anywhere, um, you talk about an 80-mile radius of people uh, dead from third-degree burns. Um, I think there's a point at which you can't ignore and – you know, with the with the direction of uh, of uh, uh, Mad Dog Mattis, the Secretary of Defense, and uh, John Kelly, his head of the White House. You know, you got a lot of military people in there that that are strategists, and they know they know how best to deal with this. And I don't think I don't see any way beyond stupidity that this doesn't end up in some kind of military action. Um, myself personally. And, uh, you know, and I'll just and I'll just say here, I'll just say, well, he wants to have a war. He doesn't want to have a war. He wants to do his job. He wants to protect, protect America. And they're they'd go, hey, you know, the uh, they want to bring up the parents of the kids uh, of the kid that got that got killed while he was while he was uh, hiking in the mountains. He wasn't hiking in the mountains. He was on a he was in a hotel room and he got arrested for stealing a political uh, a political uh Political poster off the wall, the hallway in the hotel that apparently they caught him on uh, on security camera that he ate. He took it down and snagged it. 
And uh, they arrested him for that, and he served a life sentence for that. Yeah, and, and look, North Korea is going to be dealt with in one way, shape, form, or another. And maybe the answer is like cyber warfare or whatever. But also, I don't like the fact they're just trying to forget about these, forget, forget about the, the auto warm beers of the world and sweep that stuff under the rug. Uh, we, we need, it's a real threat, and we need to, it needs to be dealt with in one way, shape, form, or another. Yeah, I would, uh, I would just assume, hey, if, we're, if, if, if there's going to be a nuclear bomb, I just assume it, that it uh, explodes in North Korea and not in, not in Southern California. Yeah. I do want to throw one thing in too before we get into the reactions from the left, and that's and I know we have a I know we don't have a clip for this one, but the couple, the police officer that adopted the child from the uh, heroin addicted mom, they already had four kids themselves. <clears throat> excuse me, and they adopted this this child, and um, they had the baby there in the audience with it. That that hit me particularly hard, uh, brought me to tears, and part of it is because their story is my story. As you know, we adopted a child through the county of San Bernardino. We had three kids of our own. We adopted a fourth, but it was a very similar circumstance, and I never really got into the circumstances, but uh, her biological mother was also a drug addict and was unable to care for this child, so the county stepped in and took her away, and there was no immediate family members that were either capable or willing to take care of her. So basically, we, we stepped in, we became adopted parents. And I, and I bring this up not to pat myself on the back, but to bring brief awareness to the whole issue of adoption. The county, by the way, the San Bernardino County uh, Child Protective Service is amazing. They did an amazing job. And the only reason I bring it up is if there's anybody out there listening that's even thinking about or considering adoption, all I can tell you is it is the best thing my wife and I ever did. So I'll leave it at that. And uh, thank you for being good people. Well, yeah, yeah, but it was, it's a, been a great blessing for us, though, Ed. Uh, Amazing. That's good. That's good. Um, now let's talk about uh, one of the other one of the other State of Union guests were two black families from Long Island whose daughters were killed by MS-13 gang members. Uh, and guess what? Those, murder, those murderers were dreamers. They were DACA recipients. They came over here because they were supposed um, unaccompanied child, child arrivals. And uh, so... And, a, and apparently they're in their 20s, and they ended up in uh, in these girls' high school. Most people thought it was a touching moment to see those families recognized. But check out these reactions from Joy Reid on PMSNBC and uh, Sunny Hostin, who's some lady on The View. He gives a speech tonight in which he makes it sound like the biggest issue in the United States, uh, the biggest threat is MS-13, a gang nobody that doesn't watch Fox News has ever heard of. For this president to conflate the dreamers with gang members, he was demonizing our immigrants here, and I was offended. Yeah, he was offended that, you know, you've never heard of MS-13 if if you haven't listened to on Fox News. I just I just uh, say, hey, you know, how do you not know? Here's what uh, here's what uh, the internet says about MS-13 gang, aka Mara Salvatrucha 13, is one of the most violently dangerous gangs in the United States and one of the most most organized. Uh, the MS-13 gang has cliques or factions located throughout the United States and is unique and it retains its ties to its El Salvador counterparts. Um, I won't go into the rest rest of this thing, but um, their their uh, their motto. Their motto or their their whatever their 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 ethos is kill rape control. 
Yeah, part of the reason maybe she hasn't heard of them is because they don't visit her upscale neighborhoods. I'm not really sure. I've heard of them for quite some time. I think they have a pretty big presence in California. And obviously, when you bring in a bunch of people and there's no background vetting of any sort, you're going to get some bad people. We're not saying all these, quote, dreamers are MS-13 gang members, but that's what you get along with it. And and, and obviously, these are, these are deaths that happened that shouldn't have. And I blame everybody from Reagan on up for not protecting our borders when they have had the opportunity to do so and think about it, they go hey some people go hey there's more there's more bad people in the united states that are citizens than than these people yeah but we don't know you know just the fact that people can come across that border that's where the bad guys go hey we want to get into the united states so let's sneak across there and say oh all these people are just nice kids looking for a better life well guess what the fact that we're so stupid and so openly openly welcome we don't need a wall we don't god didn't put put walls up there you know what the fact that we just broadcast it out there is telling all the bad guys because they have cnn and they have uh fox news and they have uh all the different radio stations out there that uh and tv shows that uh, are mostly you know the the liberal mainstream media that talks pro let's just love everybody guess what Let's love, let's love everybody here, and let's make sure that those people are safe. Let's hear some more of the media reactions to the speech as a whole. Immigration is his one opportunity to have a big success quickly. But I have to tell you, I think his rhetoric last night set things back, did not advance the ball forward. Calling this a healing speech is almost like calling going on a diet by drinking a Diet Coke and eating a pizza. That's as much of a healing speech this was. You tell me what about this that, that room is supposed to respond like this to the great dictator? Uh, here's what they need to know. 75% of the people who watched that uh State of the Union speech approved of it. And that includes 43% of Democrats. That's a big deal, Ed. And this, I think, was a rare opportunity for the president to speak directly to the American people without this this media filter that pretty much plugs out everything else he's trying to get across. I would agree. I would agree. It's uh, happily, happily the people that were watching on TV um, had a had a clearer picture had a clearer picture of what was going on than uh, what the uh, people in the audience. I just, I think it's just disgraceful the how the Democrats just sit there. You know, it's, hey, you're supposed to be representing the people. You're supposed to be, you know, it's, uh, I love the line that from the movie uh, Primary Colors, you know, hey, you know, is there nothing you, that you're against? Yeah, I'm against, I'm against uh, watching people suffer. I'm in, I'm, I'm against uh, watching people hurt and, and doing nothing. I'm against uh, uh, dismissing a good idea just because it's not my own. And that's the Democrats. And even though that was portraying Clinton, um, it was a good idea. It was a good, it was a good statement. But apparently, uh, uh, you know, Clinton was, hey, if you guys aren't watching Scandalous on Fox on uh, Sunday nights at 7, uh, you guys should, you guys should tape that. It's a, it's a many, I don't know how many, how many part series on, on the Clintons. And uh, it's more details than you ever knew and how scandalous this couple is. The Democrat rebuttal, uh, they had uh, Joe Kennedy. I don't know. I guess he's probably JFK's nephew, uh, Joe Kennedy, the third. And Joe Kennedy was uh, was Ted Kennedy's and John John F. Kennedy's and Robert Kennedy's dad. So I'm assuming there was a Joe Kennedy, the second. And he's this is probably JFK's uh, nephew. Um, He came across with a, a total, totally dramatic he just got out of uh film school and he you know i um, i almost cried because i needed to turn it off 
Let's listen to a little piece of it. America, we carry that story on our shoulders. It's like he's impersonating Obama. swarmed Washington last year to ensure that no parent has to worry if they can afford to save their child's life. You proudly marched together last weekend, thousands deep, on the streets of Las Vegas and Philadelphia and Nashville. You sat high atop your mom's shoulders and held a sign that read, build a wall and my generation will tear it down. Hey, guess what? When your generation, your your little kids, uh, their generation wants to tear down our wall, uh, my kids, my kids' gener, my grandkids' generation, will arrest your butt. Well, and how are they going to do it, Ed? I think they're going to back up a couple of Priuses with some bungee cords and try and take it down that way. I don't think we're going to build a wall like that. I think no. it's going to build a wall that's going to be uh, strong enough to withstand your standard. Uh, uh, Toyota Prius crash. And, and I hate to bring this up, Ed, but like a couple seconds into watching this, I'm thinking, is this my glasses or does this guy have like drool on his mouth? Yeah, I was uh, I was going to say he uh, looked like something. But, you know, uh, when we talked about it at the office the next day, they go, <laughs> what was that stuff dribbling out of his mouth while he was talking? Uh, I could think of some things, but um, I can't say I'm on the radio. And, you know, and then uh, apparently there was a bunch of other people. I didn't see this speech. Um, Maxine Waters made, and I just figured she's going to say impeach forty five, impeach forty five, <laughs> but she gave her uh, her uh, her rebuttal speech on uh, apparently on the BET Black Entertainment Network. Um, I don't watch that that uh, that station very often. Here's a piece of Maxine Waters on her rebuttal of the State of the Union. One speech cannot and does not make Donald Trump presidential. He's not presidential. He is a dangerous, unprincipled, divisive, and shameful racist. His vulgarity and his disrespect for women and people of color is a terrible role model for our children. Whenever he appears on TV, there should be a disclaimer that says, this may not be acceptable for children. You know, Ed, I think this is one of those rare comments that's so stupid, I don't even really have a rebuttal for it. You know, and I'll tell I'll <laughs> tell you, hey, those of you that are listening in Los Angeles that are in Maxine Waters, show uh, me that you're not a total moron and don't reelect her in November. You guys have been electing this lady, and if if that's what you think represents your best interest, if you think that's if that's uh how how a United States congressperson should should act and talk just proves proves the point of moron. So um, let's let's do something great in November and vote her out. Well, I won't be voting because I won't be in uh, in uh, Los Angeles, so I won't do that. But I've got my own congressman, uh, Mark DeConnor, to vote his moronic butt out of out of uh, office as well. Hey, we're out of time for this episode of the main event. Scott, thanks for joining me. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. Hey, everybody, thanks for listening. My name's Ed Hoffman, and I'll be back again with you next week. The content in this program is not intended to be. Six one nine nine. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.